Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Hey, it's Josh Olson, and this is our um, sixth sixth pandemic parade. Uh, wow, we've done a lot of these. Um, I don't even know what we're calling this one yet. We're starting to run out of canon film sequels. Uh, anyway, we've got a good one for you this week. I like to think we have a good one for you every week. And once again, we're uh, trying to raise awareness about the Hollywood Food Coalition, who's doing some wonderful work. We'll have Blair Bercy on uh, to tell you a little more about that later. Um, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, but first, a word from our sponsors. A secret laboratory, illegal experiments, and they finally found a new way for you to die. There's no place to hide from the plague. Scientific experiments gone wild. Is this new movie science fiction or science fact? See the plague for yourself if you think you can stand it. Maybe you'd better hurry. The plague. First up, we're going to check in with legendary film critic Leonard Malton. I've got no pants on, so. I didn't ask. Drink some Clorox. You'll feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Don't no, Joe. Joe, spray it. Don't drink yes. it. Spray it. Joe, surely by now in all these years, you've noticed he's the master of sarcasm. Not me. <laughs> Uh, so, so Leonard, um, thank you. Thank you for coming on. We've been, um, calling up a bunch of our past guests and, uh, doing these little specials every Friday, just sort of telling, uh, people, you know, giving, giving them suggestions to get them through these trying and bizarre times. So wanted to look to you as, uh, you're, you're a bit of a movie lover. I think that's one of the things you're known for. Well, I guess. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> I, I got I got bitten by the bug around the same time and not too far from Joe. That's true. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, uh, you realize Joe that we were, I think we are the last, well, we're boomers. So we're the last generation to experience Saturday kitty matinees. Ah, it's so true. And so sad. Yes. Because, you know, when they disappeared, I, uh, I, the, the movie industry made a huge mistake. Yes. Because one of the reasons that we were so movie gaga was that every Saturday, if, if, if the movie wasn't appropriate for kids, they would drag out some old movies or some movies that seemed more appropriate or hold over the movie from Wednesday that wouldn't ordinarily play on Saturday uh, and get kids into the habit of going to the movies as a communal yep. experience. And that just all went away right around the time of the MGM Kitty Matinee reissues. Which, oh, a friend of uh, mine was involved with that, yeah. You know, which was an attempt to try to get exhibitors to 
portion off a part of the day and and run these things to get kids to come in. And and there just was very little interest in it. And some yeah. of the pictures were really quite good. Yes, indeed. Uh, but I realize now, which I didn't fully understand then, that the uh, what they programmed for those matinees were whatever was sitting in the exchange on the shelf. That's pretty true. <laughs> and so, but that's how I saw all the Francis the Talking Mule movies. Right. <laughs> and most of the Mont and Pa Kettle movies. And that's why there were so many Allied Artists movies that played in my uh, neighborhood because they had the Bowery Boys and they had mm -hmm. Target Earth and then they had all those, you know, low rent movies that actually didn't play the theater as an attraction, but were only brought in for the kitty matinee. Yep. I could go on, but I, I you know, <laughs> if I go on, I'll go on a lot. We're leaving. We're leaving our younger our younger viewers behind. <laughs> yes. um, they don't know what they're missing. They uh, what 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 have you been? Well, you can help them. You can help them. What have you been watching? To uh, by the way, I try because you've been on a bunch of these. There have been those great uh, compilations of um, is it is it just on Warner Brothers where you get the classic film and on the DVD and then it's got a cartoon and a newsreel. I, I, I did a I did a handful of those. Those are those are fun. Those are fun. Those are a do. blast. Those are a blast. And as somebody who did not grow up with that, it still gave me this sort of sense of nostalgia. Well, it was the idea of a night at the movies. It was like yeah. trying to recreate what you would see if you actually went to the local theater and you'd see it'd be dish night or whatever, and you would get all this extra stuff. You know, the crime yeah. does not pay short, and you know, all, all those things that people don't just don't have access to, except for one station, which is Turner Classic Movies, and they can only run one movie at a time. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so what have you been watching to get through this letter? And more to the point, what would you recommend to people who are trying to, you know, that's two different questions. Their mind? Yes. What I've been watching. What have you been watching? Yes. I wouldn't necessarily recommend to everybody. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because I've been uh, burrowing through my stacks of uh, DVDs and Blu-rays that I haven't gotten around to seeing uh, yeah. for any specific purpose. And uh, you know, not all of them are great movies. Uh, and some of them I know are, going to be odd movies, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm having a good time. They can uh, still be comfort food, you know, even if they're not such good movies. Well, yes. I mean, you know, I watched, uh, I watched one of the few Humphrey Bogart movies I'd never seen, The Left Hand of God. I watched mm. that last week. And uh, it's a very entertaining film. It's not an important film. It's not a significant film. Uh, there's some story threads that don't really get explored fully. Uh, you have Lee J. Cobb playing a Chinese warlord uh, in uh, rather strange makeup. And, those were the days. Uh, and, and, no, uh, but th those days persisted <laughs> long after. Yes, after for a long, long time. Uh, but I enjoyed it. And I'm a Bogart fan. And Bogey was still in good health. It's 1955. And he still uh, looked good and, and it came across really well. Gene Tierney is in it. And Agnes Moorhead and E.G. Marshall. Uh, and Victor Sen Young. Uh, and uh, I liked it. Fantastic. And then yesterday I watched a, an even more obscure Barbara Stanwyck film from 1934 called Lost Lady, which was based on a story by Willa Cather. And apparently after Willa Cather saw it, she put a clause in all her contracts forbidding screen adaptations. <laughs> but I, again, I enjoy, first off, Stanwyck is always worth watching. Oh, yeah. And th this film is no exception. Uh, her leading man is Frank Morgan. And, uh, really? yeah, in a serious role. 
as a man who is older than she, and uh, uh, he helps her through an emotional crisis, and they become fond of each other. But she's not in love. But he 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 kind of worships her, and persuades her to marry him. He's very wealthy, and uh, so with the understanding that you know there, there's no you know passion or love, but great you know great uh, affection. Uh, she gets married and and uh, and lives a happy life, which she hadn't been doing till he came along, and then inevitably, someone shows up. In this case, Ricardo Cortez. I was worried. I was worried that no one would show up. <laughs> <laughs> so then she's torn. Now this whole thing, and and Lyle Talbot is a, a, a associate in uh, Morgan's law firm. He also uh, has the hots for her, but. Uh, this all unfolds in 61 minutes. Sure. Those are the days. Yep. Yeah. And probably, and the script was probably 200 pages, right? <laughs> <laughs> love, love those Warner Brothers films of the 30s. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yes. But I have a more official list. Yes, to recommend to people who are, um, yeah. For, for people who are not necessarily as crazed as, as I am. Yes. And I'm, I made it a mix of recent and older films, five titles altogether, as instructed. And the first <laughs> one is from 2013, which is Whoa. just yesterday. It's, it's not even black and white. Right. Enough Said, written and directed by Nicole Hall of Center, whose oh, work sure. I yeah, really yeah. admire. Uh, yeah. she's, she's, a, she's an original. Uh, she's a great writer and a very good director. And this one stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus and James Gandolfini uh, uh, with Catherine Keener, who's in all of Nicole's films, I believe. And uh, it's a, it's an adult romantic comedy drama uh, about two mature people uh, who, who sort of chance to wind up in each other's orbit and uh and pursue a relationship uh it, it's just so solid so good and the two of them are exceptionally good and and you can't go wrong with you know with james gandolfini you know what a tragedy to to lose him yeah. so young uh so th that's that's number one nancy and i just finished all 80 six episodes of the sopranos um <laughs> i've been rewatching them yeah just just you 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 almost forget how good he is because um he's one of those actors who doesn't seem to be giving a performance no he inhabits the part that's yeah. right I, I got to see him i got to see him on uh on stage oh, in wow. that uh w wonderful play that he did on broadway with jeff daniels and marcia gay harden and uh, hope davis the name of which has just slipped out of my brain. They did it in New York, and then they came out here and did it at the Music Center in L.A., and they all agreed that they wouldn't do it with anybody else. It had to be all four uh, because they were so uh, uh, so unified in their, in their uh, approach to the material. Awfully good. Anyway, my second film is an oldie. Here comes Mr. Jordan. Hey, can't go wrong with that. This is a film that doesn't wind up on 10 best lists. And uh, people have not heard of the director, Alexander Hall. He was uh, one of those studio directors uh, in the 30s and 40s who, you know, never, never put a personal stamp necessarily on the work he did, but was a very capable filmmaker. And the, uh, the story and screenplay uh, uh, won Oscars. And uh, 
And even even the writers are not well known. Well, Sidney Buckman was. Sidney Buckman had written uh, here, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And Seton Miller, Seton I. Miller was a Warner Brothers uh, contract uh, uh, writer. It's from a play by Harry Siegel, a name I don't know. Uh, people may know the remakes of this film. It was remade as Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty. And also with Chris Rock. I've heard the Chris Rock one, yes. Yes. And then unusually, they used some of the characters from Here Comes Mr. Jordan in a Rita Hayworth movie called Down to Earth. Which was not strictly a sequel. No, not, not really. But anyway, the original Here Comes Mr. Jordan is a film that I just love with Robert Montgomery, Evelyn Keyes, great Claude Rains, and the great Edward Everett Horton. And uh, it's just a movie that makes me feel good. It, it gets to me. And when I was a kid, there's a transitional scene that always kind of, I found eerie, not eerie in a scary way, not eerie in a negative way, just because uh, it's about a, a man. It's not giving anything away. It's the log line for the film. It's about a man uh, who uh, is flying his own plane and looks like he's going to crash to earth and his soul is taken away by an overeager angel played by Edward Everett Horton before he actually crashed. He was not going to die in that crash. Mm. He was not destined to do that. So now they've got to find a new body for his soul. And uh, it's uh, one of those Hollywood fantasies that they just can't seem to pull off anymore, even when they try, which but is it's, and it's And it's so, it's so amazing that it works because you have to make so many assumptions Yep. And the other characters like James Gleason, you know, don't recognize yeah. who this guy is because he supposedly looks different to everybody else. Uh, and yet he has certain proclivities that are, are very similar to the, uh, are the same as, as the person that he replaced. I mean, it's, it's one of those gambits that shouldn't work. And it works. It does. A hundred percent. Coming back up to uh, the 20th century, if not the 21st, uh, I love the commitments. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Alan Parker's film from a, yeah. a Roddy Doyle novel, which Roddy Doyle helped adapt for the screen with Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet, screenwriting partners, done a lot of good work. Terrific guys. And uh, it's about a, a, a guy, a young guy, who who wants to form a band, and and does, but he wants to do. American soul music, uh, you know, Otis Redding, people like that uh, are his heroes. And because it's Irish, it's uh, got a kind of a bittersweet uh, uh, flavor to it that sets it apart from let's get a band together American movies. Right. You know, it's, it's a lovely film. And it's also I, uh, Glenn Hansard, who is uh, in, the, in yes. the band. The Commitments goes on to be not just one of the great uh, musicians of, of, of my generation, um, but to be the uh, one of the stars of the incredible film Once, yep. many years later. Um, yeah, the music in that movie is so good. Oh, the, the music is dynamite. Yeah. Uh, another uh, film from the 90s, Election. Alexander Payne's oh, yeah. film Election. If you haven't seen it, uh, again, uh, a one-off, a one-of-a-kind film. Uh, uh, yes, it is. written. Yeah, what is what is 
if you had to put that in a genre beyond, I guess, I don't comedy. know what the genre. Uh, well, I think the genre <laughs> is social satire. I suppose. And sure. That's okay. what that's what uh, Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor, his writing partner, specialize in, and mm-hmm. uh, in about Schmidt and Sideways and other Nebraska, Nebraska and other other really good films, and uh, it's the first time. I guess I'd seen Reese Witherspoon before because she'd been working already, but uh, this is the film that uh, that that uh, announced her a real, a real arrival to oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. To me, yeah. And uh, she plays an overzealous <laughs> high school student who's running for president of the student council, and Matthew Broderick is one of her teachers, and. Something about her just puts him off, and uh, he 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 doesn't think she should uh, succeed, and he he tries to impede her success in sneaky ways. Uh, it, it's as you say, it's hard to, to pigeonhole this movie, but it's easy to love this movie. She had done Man on the Moon uh, with oh right, Mueller, Alan Parker, right? Yeah. Is, and she was I think fourteen, mm-hmm. and and they. She obviously was great in it. And so they brought her out to Hollywood and they put her on the rounds. She went to studios and met people. So I, I was one of the directors that, that she met because oh. she was having a meet um, group of, of people, went to people's offices. And um, she's 14 years old. You would have sworn you were talking to a 30 year old. Wow. I mean, she was so sophisticated <laughs> and so smart and so clear about where she wanted to go. And what she wanted to do, that it was, it was, it was actually a, a little chilling to see a child that prepossessive, you know. Um, but I was, I just, so she left my office, and I said, "This, this kid is going to be a star." And if you had a nickel for every time you've made that prediction, how many nickels would you have? Three. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here from the source, folks. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, it's such a great film. We we rewatched it recently. It's one of those ones that, as time goes by, you go like, uh, "Yeah, election. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great movie." And then you watch it again, and you just go, "Oh shit!" I, yeah, <laughs> that is a really really great film. It's dark and mean and hilarious and just uh, yeah. yeah. And and the fact the fact that Tracy Flick is now a a thing, you know, yeah. it's it's a yeah. it's a character in the in the cultural lexicon. And it was shot in Alexander Payne's hometown of uh, Omaha, Nebraska, as almost all his films are. And uh, uh, he he used non-actors. He used locals. Uh, You know, it it has a flavor of its own. Hmm. Yeah. That's right. Chris Klein, right? Yes, exactly. That was his debut. Perfect. Perfect in that movie. Yes, he is perfect. Uh, Well, and uh, finally, something I would call a perfect movie. Alfred Hitchcock's The 39 Steps. Oh, oh, yes. It just yes. doesn't get better than that. And there are so yeah. few perfect movies. There are yeah. very few. And that's one of them. That's one of them, indeed. Uh, stars Robert, the, the, the great Robert Donat and the gorgeous Madeline Carroll. And uh, people who only know Hitchcock's Hollywood work, his later films, which are terrific, of course, and worthy of you know uh, analysis and exploration, uh, but don't know his British films of the 1930s mm-hmm. really owe themselves such that joy experience. awaits. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
but this is this I think is the best of all. Mm-hmm. And there's dialogue uh, involving, uh, of course, Robert Donat is is a uh, uh, wrongly accused man. That's what they all say, right? And uh, I feel like I feel like Hitchcock did at least one more film with that idea. <laughs> I think you're right. You may be correct in that. Uh, there, there may be a theory forming here. Mm-hmm. And there's there's banter between uh, Donat's character and Madeline Carroll's, yeah. where she essentially says, "How did you start your life of crime?" And <laughs> and he he goes along with this uh, this line of uh, of dialogue, and it, it, it's been ripped off uh, in so many ways and places. And they're always inferior to the original. Yeah. If you're really interested in uh, this period of, of uh, Hitchcock's career, which is a fascinating one, uh, I recommend the book Phantom Lady, uh, which is oh, about yes. John Wonderful. Harrison. Uh, and it's, a, it, it's about how she came to work for Hitchcock during this early British period. And it's got a lot of really fascinating insights about the way that he approached these things and you know, when you see one of these movies again, it's, it's remarkable how good the miniature work is. I mean, yeah. so many of these pictures that are taken, taking place supposedly in far-flung locations, all, all the locations are miniatures, and the trains and the and the cars and everything. And and there there is a certain toy quality to it because you're aware from this vantage point so many years later that that you are looking at something that isn't quite real, but it's. It's on its own. It's really quite remarkable and detailed how much of that work was done that way. Yeah, yeah, and he he had a fondness for that, obviously. Yeah, it's it's a. I remember as a kid stumbling across that on, um, you know, we obviously we didn't have Saturday matinees, but we had you know the. Uh, the, the movies that came on on Saturday after the cartoons were done. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, somehow falling into it and still at that age where, you know, there's sort of early black and white and then later black and white. And I, I loved, you know, stuff like Casablanca, but this, this is older than that. And had a, there was a little bit of an intimidating factor to the age of it and two minutes into the movie and I'm just, I mean, it, I'm lost. I'm buried in it. It's so wonderful. Well, you know, the, the film stocks are quite different between the yeah. 40s and 30s. That's one of the reasons the pictures look so different. Yeah. Uh, it's hilariously fun. A couple of Saturdays ago, I think maybe the weekend before this, uh, TCM was showing The Lady Vanishes. Another, in fact, oh, yeah. they used to go out as a double bill. In, oh, that makes sense. Sure. Theaters, the Thirty Nine Steps and The Lady Vanishes, and uh, uh, you know, a, a double portion of, uh, of deliciousness. And uh, yeah. I, I wasn't going to watch Lady Vanishes again. I, I know it. I've seen it. Well, I hadn't seen it start to finish in a long time. And once I put it on, you, I could not turn it off. I just yeah. couldn't turn away. Yeah. Com- yeah. Compelling and compulsive viewing. That's what we need more of in these troubled times. Indeed. For sure, yeah. That's that's uh, Technically speaking, that would be six, but that's a pretty great double feature. No, that's that was a side note. I know, but I'm, I'm yes. We're, we're not, we're not, it's we're not going to penalize you. More time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Leonard, thank you so Thanks very so much. much for coming on and sharing uh sharing those with us and our listeners um please stay safe and stay well and uh, thank you and the same to you and yours this is the voice of a woman dreaming of her lover oh please darling let me close i love you so much and this a woman having a nightmare let me out ah! what are dreams 
What do they mean? When you dream, you wander into another world where everything is strange and terrifying. When you dream, you too become a Nightwalker. The Nightwalker brings Robert Taylor and Barbara Stanwyck together again in the film Shocker of the Year. Yes, I do have a lover. Tell me his name. I wish to God I could, but he's only a dream. And now, a warning from producer William Castle. Our new picture, The Nightwalker, may force you to dream of things you're ashamed to admit. If you can't stand your own dreams, don't see The Nightwalker. The Nightwalker. And now, uh, here's Miguel Arteta. Miguel has a very special place in our hearts here at The Movies That Made Me. Not only as the director of such amazing films as Chuck and Buck and uh, Cedar Rapids and, um, good Lord, uh, so many, so many Beatrice and Dinner and Duck Butter and The Good Girl. and uh, But uh, he's also our very, very first guest on the movies that made me. And the show kind of sprang out of a conversation I had with Miguel. Uh, so let's check in with him, see how he's doing and what he's watching. So, so are you... Um... Uh, have you been watching a lot of movies during the uh, the quarantine? Um, yes, of course. Uh, you know, me and my wife Justine are watching an awful a lot of reality TV as well. Which we oh, have, dear God! So yeah, we like uh, Project Runway and RuPaul's Drag Race, things like that. <laughs> but uh, but we also been delving into uh, our Criterion, you know, uh, uh, quite a lot, and um, it's been fun. Uh, been watching, you know, we watch the the Big Heat, uh, oh. uh, Fritz Lang, uh, yeah, uh, and Justine had never seen it, and uh, it was awesome to revisit that movie. I, I love it so much. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's amazing how much uh, tension there is in the movie with how little you see of anything, um, uh, and how precise the whole story is. It's it's really quite incredible. And um, it was also amazing to see how great a, an actor Glenn Ford is. Right, He's yeah. Starting yeah. to ha have a bigger appreciation for him as the years go on. Very underrated. I think so, yeah. And uh, uh, so, so that, that, was, that was extremely fun. And it was fun to see the young Lee Marvin in there. Uh, uh, in, I mean, young, young Lee Marvin always looks about 50, though. That's, that always cracks me up. Yes, I was. Uh, I was remarking on that as well. It was like he was born already, like looking like Lee Marvin. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, it was really fun, and uh, you know, we we delve into Human Desire, which is another oh. Glenn Ford, Fritz Lang movie that I love with Gloria Graham as well, mm. uh, and she's a favorite of ours. So you're doing you know, a Lang a Lang fest. Uh, you know, um, Criterion has uh, the Colombia Noirs uh, all mm -hmm. on their website. All oh, right, so, yeah. So uh, we've been looking at a lot of those. Yeah, and, a, lot, uh, a, lot of, a lot of those are really good. Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, and uh, we um, we also saw recently, I'd never seen uh, a comedy from uh, uh, Douglas Sirk, slightly French. Um, it's like a 1949 comedy with Dorothy L'Amour. And uh, Don Amici, and um, you know, because he's known for his melodramas, but I, I didn't know how funny he was. It's a really, really funny movie. Uh, uh, sort of a Hollywood story about a director. You know, Don Amici plays a really impossible film director, 
that uh, loses his French uh, star and decides to, it's kind of a Pygmalion story, decides to make this carnival girl into a, a French superstar and teaches her how to, you know, speak French and act French. And um, it's, it's really good. It's really funny. Um, now, where did you find that one? I found it on Criterion as well. Oh, really? Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, and I'm a huge fan of Douglas Sirk, so. He was, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him do comedy because it's no, no, he did that one, were... and he did one called "Weekend with Father" with Van Heflin, which is very mm. funny. Um, uh, I've never seen that. I, I will check it out. I, you know, it's just as precise, and the decor is just as beautiful as his melodramas. You know, yeah, the, the house where Don Amici lives is just like you're like, wow, I want to live there. But uh, um, and I, um, I, uh, I really, really uh, was impressed with him. And uh, last night we watched Experiment in Terror, uh, you know, the Blake Edwards in 1962. I'd never seen it before. And wow. uh, I was, uh, boy, is that a tense movie. It's like yeah. a long, it's a long movie, but it's so good. Um, I, um, and I was really impressed with the way it looked. I, I you know, I want to find out more about this DP, Philip, Philip Larthrop, I think is his name. Philip Larthrop, yeah. Um, the Lathrop? Yeah. Oh wow. I didn't really yeah, he um uh he shot they shoot horses, don't they? I know that. Um I worked on a short film in like 1986 that he shot. Oh no way. Yeah, he was absolutely amazing. It was called um Ray's Male Heterosexual Dance Hall, and it uh, won the Oscar for Best Short. Yeah, it's pretty um, famous. And uh yeah, he was he was phenomenal, but we all knew we were it was like he was um and everyone was working on these things for free. And uh, we were all just in awe. There was just this legendary, you know. So he was an older guy at that point, and just carried himself like a master. He was he was <laughs> phenomenal. He was phenomenal. Um, did he have a sense of humor? Uh, th that I don't recall. Um, but uh, um, he was he was great. Um, that's amazing. I noticed that he shot a lot of the big, like spectacle films, like you know, air, airport, earthquake, all those kind of things. Oh, that's right. Um, yes, yeah. But uh, but uh, experimenting terror was 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 quite something. Uh, uh, I didn't know the guy who played the evil guy. Oh, Ross Martin. He was later very famous on the Wild Wild West. Um, he was so good. He was terrifying. Um, and um, um, I, I was really impressed with it. You know, like knowing like Edward's work, I just seemed like something totally different. From anything he's ever done. Well, he was very versatile. You know, he he wrote a lot of faux noirs in the fifties. Um, yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. He he, he uh, did drive a crooked road with um, Mickey Rooney and Kevin McCarthy, which is a pretty good picture. Richard Quine. He yeah. worked with Richard Quine a lot. Right, right. Um, and uh, uh, so, but th this is you know, it was pretty uh, incredible. I, I uh, you know. The sequence uh, candlestick park at the end was uh, amazing. Uh, shooting crowds that way, you know, like the idea of being terrified in the middle of a crowd uh, was so cool. Um, and uh, it was so well done, you know, like whenever I tried to shoot in, in a very crowded area, you know, like like half tons of extras moving in and out, it always feels like most DPs and most uh, ADs are like, it can't be done. Uh, you can't, you can't like have it be as full and crowded as in as insane as you want it to be, 
and in that film, it was unbelievable. You know, when she's trying to to get away from from him, and uh, and Glenn Ford running after him, uh, those shots were. I feel like I'm going to show them next time I want to do something like this to 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 my DP and be like, see, there is a way to do this. I don't know how. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but um, uh, it was it was really really cool. Um, we watched a Richard Klein movie. Klein movie. Um, it was called uh, Pushover. Oh, yeah, Fred McMurray and Kim Novak. Yes, uh, and you know it's pretty good. And uh, Kim Novak was incredible in there. Yeah. Um, um, so it's been fun. I and mean, you know we've been delving into this this uh, noir world a little bit. Very appropriate. <laughs> um, the only recent thing that I could really recommend was a movie called Waves. Um, is the this guy Trey L. Elward Schultz, uh, the guy who did Krisha. I don't know if you remember that independent movie called Krisha. It came out like three years ago, and um, this is a movie with Sterling K. K. Brown that came out last year. Mm, right. Yeah. Um, with uh, with Taylor Russell and uh, Kevin Harrison Jr. and so good it was so so amazing yeah, i was it went under the radar i don't think a lot of people watched it but it is the story of a family torn apart uh in florida uh an african-american family and um it's uh it's you know uh incredible a father who's trying put, putting too much pressure on his son and his son ends up fuck, fucking up and uh and how that just tears the whole family apart but He's he's a real stylist. This guy, um, he, hmm. he did he did a horror movie in between those two movies that people have, have also praised quite a bit. But uh, I recommend it highly. If you haven't seen Krisha, his first movie uh, uh, um, is K R I S H A. Krisha is unbelievable. Wanna... Oh yeah, yeah. The it's the movie about a, 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 a relative coming to visit for Thanksgiving. The, right. the biggest sort of family, you know, disaster, uh, you know, like a, like a relative coming and just exploding a family, a family into tidbits uh, that I've ever seen. Just uh, unbelievable. And is it, who's the actor? There's a lead actress in that, right? Who's who's great? Her name is Krisha. Uh, yeah, uh, that's one. Of the, okay, yeah, I've never seen it. I've, I've heard. Yeah, um, it's it's well well worth seeing. And uh, and then this is the third movie, Waves. Also, just like the camera work, um, it's unbelievable. It's so, so great. Uh, I, I'm a little confused how these guys going under their radar. But uh, uh, he lives in Florida, and apparently he's, you know, a little bit of an eccentric guy. You know, um, Matthew Greenfield, who's my friend who works at Searchlight, wanted to meet with him when he was in Florida. And he was like, we have to meet at this restaurant in Disney World. That's the only way I will meet. <laughs> and uh, 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 and uh, didn't talk about his movies, and um, I think I think I think he might be a, a really interesting new voice. Hmm. Cool. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, I'll check it out. Thank you. Um, well, great. Well, Miguel, thank you so much. Um, you know, this is in the, this is in the service of all of us people who are trapped in our homes. We're giving people ideas now. Who you mentioned two movies that probably none of them have ever heard of. Worth checking out, and you know, and now we have the time to do it. Um, thank you so much for inviting me, guys, and thanks for doing this. The man they are burying in a subterranean world of horror is a victim of 
the oblong box. Now, for the first time, Vincent Price and Christopher Lee star in Edgar Allan Poe's tale of the living dead, the oblong box. The oblong box in color from American International is rated M. Uh, next up is Dave Anthony, who also played a big part in uh, getting us to start this podcast. Uh, Dave is a great comedian, uh, TV writer, podcaster. He does the dollop, this thing called the West Wing thing. Um, never heard of it. And uh, he is here to talk to us about some of the movies that have been getting him through the quarantine. Hello, I'm Dave Anthony. Man, a man with much to answer for. Um Dave, as we've told the story of the show, but uh, way, way back when this began, um, yeah, uh, Dave's the guy who came into Joe's office and uh, explained how incredibly easy it is to do a podcast and how basically any any idiot can do it. <laughs> yeah, but he, he didn't he didn't mention the part about how when you have to do them remotely, it's not quite as easy. Yes. <laughs> this part, this part, I didn't know. I didn't have the pandemic experience yet. Yeah. Yeah, but now I, I recommend it even more, especially if you're a writer and have deadlines. Um, podcasting remotely is the greatest thing in the world. It really is. Yeah, it's, it just gives them an excuse not to write. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dave, I you know we had Gareth on the other day, um, and he was he was he was delightful. I forgot to ask him: Are you guys um, you guys still dolloping during this? You must be. Yeah, we did our first one uh, this this last week. Um, it was it's weird. It's hard. It's harder for comedy. Uh, and I think just for, you know, interesting conversations. Yeah. Death is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, death is really easy. As they say. Yeah, it's weird. We watched John Oliver's second remote episode the other night. And, uh, you know, I like him. He's very funny. But there's that moment when he hits one of those jokes. Yeah. And then and then nothing happens. And it just it feels He's got to get weird. one of those. He's got to get one of those machines that Lonesome Roads had, you know, so that you, <laughs> you know you just press a button, then you hear all the applause. Oh, right. yeah. Like I watched, I watched his first one. It seemed odd. Yeah. 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 But you know, you, you do what you have to. Um, although I suppose you could actually, you could zoom an audience in. Yeah. Although I don't know how that would sound laugh wise. Uh, I know a comedian, comedians are doing shows online and they did a zoom one and a heckler came in and they couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they couldn't do anything. Cause there was no, they didn't know how to mute him or, <laughs> Oh, oh, oh my God. I love that. I love that so much. Uh, well, Dave, um, uh, by the way, before you, you're, you're, uh, you do this other podcast, uh, the dollop. I do. We like to, we like to give a boost to whenever we can, you guys can use it. The, um, uh, and it's a history podcast, I gather. Um, yeah, it's a history podcast. It's called the dollop. I, I'm bad with history. Has, have we been through this before? Oh yeah. 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 It doesn't go well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But we've been here for sure. Are you, uh, have you, are you, are you, I, I, I kid, I'm, I'm not entirely, I mean, I've, I've listened to maybe 350 of the 500 dollops, but I don't, have you done one on uh, epidemics before? No, I, I, I've always wanted to do one on 1918 and uh, it's like the top book I've been wanting to read mm -hmm. uh, that I have about the pandemic. But uh, I never, I never got to it. It's a super long book, the one I have. It's funny. I found out about it because George Bush read it <laughs> years ago, and he was president. They were like, "George Bush, what are you reading this summer?" And he said that book, and I was like, "Wait, he's reading a history book?" 
<laughs> so I bought it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, shocking to think that, that even George Bush might have been better prepared for this. <laughs> he would have been. Anybody would have been, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so what are you, uh, what are you, are you watching movies to get through this TV shows? You, uh, are yes. you just reading long books about, yes. Uh, yes, I'm watching. I haven't got, I have, I, I want to start reading more. I've been mostly watching TV and stuff. Uh, yeah. What's getting you through this, Dave? Well, I'm a big, I've always been a big fan of pandemic movies, if you can imagine that. So <laughs> I, I sadly went to watch more and I couldn't really find any <laughs> that I hadn't um, seen, that I hadn't seen. Well, there's, uh, there's, um, I have uh, one for you. Yes. 80,000 suspects. Oh, it's a British I haven't picture, heard of that. Uh, directed by Val Guest. And it's with, with I think, uh, Richard Johnson and Claire Bloom. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a pandemic movie about a bunch of doctors. It's fantastic. Good, good picture. Hey, I'm great. I'm, I'm in, I'm in. And then I don't know, does, does panic in the streets qualify, Joe? Do you think? Um, oh yeah, I think it does. We're running a, we're running a oh, okay. week on trailers and home as our, on our pandemic week. Oh, oh yeah, perfect. I, I tried to find it online ahead of time. I had a hard time finding it, um, but I, I I saw it a long time ago. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Okay. And uh, I come never, over, come over. I'll loan you my DVD. <laughs> well, you can just mail it to me. That's how we're doing things. Yeah. <laughs> Except they're not going to have a post office apparently. Oh no! What, what's there's happening? No there's no well. There's no funding for the post office. So oh, they think, they think by June it may they may have to give up the ghost. It feels like um, during a pandemic you would need the post office. <laughs> well, but not if you can put it in private hands. You see. <laughs> oh God! What's oh God? <laughs> I did watch. Uh, I did watch one pandemic film uh, about. It's called a. Uh, it comes at night. Have you have you seen it comes at night? It's post pandemic. It's post pandemic. Yeah, I don't. Know. Uh, yeah, so it starts with a, a family. Uh, who are the who are the actors in this? Uh, Joel Edgerton is probably the main guy that everybody would know. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. The um, the weird. You don't know what's happened, but yes. yeah, yeah. So you don't know what's happened, and then uh, him and his wife. It starts with uh, them. Um, they kill their his father or, or his wife's father mm -hmm. uh, who's mm -hmm. got whatever the plague thing is. Yeah. So you, you obviously realize at that point there's a, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, a, when a, when a son-in-law kills his, his father, uh, his, his father-in-law and everyone's around people. Not yeah. That's a bad, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a grim and depressing movie. It, have you seen it? Oh yeah. In or, theater. It is, it is grim and depressing. I don't know why yeah. the, I, I've always been into pandemic movies. So this is kind of, I should really be into what's happening right now, but it's not as great when you're living in it. Yeah, no, it's not. It's uh, yeah. So it's about him and his, his, uh, so it's him and his wife and son are there and alone and the, and the family dog. And then another couple come along with their younger son, who's like four or something or five. And then, uh, they move in with them and it doesn't go great. <laughs> <laughs> Because if it went great, it wouldn't be a movie. Exactly. Got to be confident. <laughs> well, sometimes it gets, I mean, you know, I like to think of The Stand as ultimately a positive, optimistic movie with a, with a happy ending. Huh. I mean, okay. I, I, when I think of The Stand, I just think of the 99% of people dying. I don't I, get your point. I can't. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess. I guess it's a happy ending. Uh, I mean, there, there's hope at the end. It's not. It's not one of those. Uh, <clears throat> you know. I mean, I think Children of Men is ultimately an optimistic film. At the I end. think no, Children of Men is an optimistic film at the end. Yeah. I think. That, I think that most pandemic films uh, do have optimistic endings. I think it's rare that they don't actually. Mm. They kind of have to. <laughs> have to yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, even the road, you know, you get a little bit of. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so bleak. It's so bleak, but you know, they put in the something's growing here, and right, there's yeah, a little plant, yeah. like there's a spark of something. The road is the is the darkest. Oh sort yeah. Of end of times yeah. movie I've seen, like that one. Yeah. I didn't know what it was about. I hadn't read the book, and my friends like, let's go see this movie, and it almost like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how far into these movies do you, do you guys want to go into the plot more, or, or do we ruin them for people? No, no, or? Basically, what, what this this, ser- this serves as a uh, a reminder for people uh, of titles and movies that they should try to find and look up. Yeah, that yeah, you, that's that, what I thought. That, that you recommend that this is something that will <laughs> take their mind off the pandemic because <laughs> the pandemic movies kind well, of uh, muddies the water. It's mostly just for me because between, um, as Dave knows, I have an entire room. It's a library that is just uh, wall to wall. It's thousands and thousands of DVDs and Blu-rays. And I walk in there and I go, holy shit, there's too much. I can't make up my mind. And then I then I go on to Netflix and, you know, Prime and all the rest of that. And there's so many movies. I can't make up my mind. I know. So I'm, I'm doing these shows so that I can, you know, come up with lists of movies to watch. It's pretty much just for, we don't even release them, actually. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then another one I watched was you. You are you were never really here. Oh, okay. I never seen it. Have you seen it? Yeah, that's that's really good. That's really it's great. It's fantastic. It's another grim one. I had no idea what I was getting into, and then I was like, oh, this is super dark. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that joke? No, I haven't. It's it's it it's sound dark good. enough for me. Um, yeah, he plays a hitman. Yeah, he's a hitman, but he's uh, he's got he's like a hitman with uh, a, a, an endless supply of. Uh, issues and PTSD or, you know, whatever he's got going on. Uh, uh, so he's kind of dealing with his past and the trauma he went through while he's taking people out of trauma. Uh, yeah. Cause he's more of a hitman. He, he, he helps like trafficked girls and helps victims of crimes. Uh, so this one's all about him helping trafficked girl, which gets super dark also. <laughs> but it's fun. Great. It is. I mean, I could watch him all the time. I I love it, but I I think you and I disagree on the Joker, which I was a, or Joker, which I was a huge fan of. But uh, I wasn't a huge fan. I didn't not like it. I I was okay. kind of like, mm. but his performance to me was in that yeah. movie insane. Like he's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. No, he's he's great. So I got um. That's my that's my recommendation. I watched Bliss. Have you heard of Bliss? Sure, the Australian film. No. It's American. It just came out this year. It's on uh, Shutter. Are you are you on okay. Shutter? Oh, okay. Well, it's, on no, the it's, it's it's the Israeli film Briss. Briss, I say. That one's really also dark. Oh my god! I'm looking at the poster. The poster looks just like Mandy. I'm in. It's uh, <laughs> it's. I mean, uh, it was recommended me to by um. Jonah Ray, do you know Jonah Ray? A comedian, yeah, Jonah Ray. Jonah, Jonah has been. Jonah is on the episode that dropped today. So, oh, he is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah Wait, he, can, he, I, can I read this description? Because this is great. Yeah. 
In need of creative inspiration, a professionally stagnant and hard partying Los Angeles artist named Desi Donahue recklessly indulges in a series of drug binges. As the narcotics fly out of control, so does her newfound and inexplicable yet unquenchable craving for blood. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's correct. Yeah. Uh, it has your blood. <laughs> it has one of my favorite endings I've seen in a long time. Oh, okay. No like, more. All right. Uh, the ending was I almost stood up and cheered. I was like, I didn't see that coming and and yay. <laughs> it's really great. Okay. Uh, but it's it's just an interesting like take on, you know, people who who desire blood to survive. <laughs> or not. I mean, may I uh, Go can ahead. I watch it? And I watch it with my wife Nancy, who does not like horror films. Nancy would not like this. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, would she not like this? <laughs> I watched this one with a dog. <laughs> yeah, this is a dog film for she sure. Thing, by the way, she, she, you know, I don't know what the hell's going on. She never leaves the house. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's bad. Uh, it's really great. I, I, I really like the directing. Um, what's his name? Uh, Begos, Joe, Joe Begos. I don't know. You don't know? Him? I, I, I don't, yeah, he's not even on, uh, this was, uh, this was at Fantastic Fest, and I think a lot of people heard about it there. Um, but it's it's fun. It's like a, it's just like a, a different take on. So where would you where would you find it if you were looking for it? It's on Shutter. Yeah, I've just gotten Shutter and uh, no, trailers and holes on Shutter. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they have a date. We have a deal with them. Oh, <laughs> Josh, should you know that? No, 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 no. I mean the the website, the trailers from Hell website with the you know the those things. They're on Shutter. You're on Shutter. Oh, okay. So they're not. I see. It's not like we have some it's show not the on podcast show. is on show, right? Okay. Where, where, <laughs> my, where, where are my shutter dollars at? <laughs> um, and then the other things I, I got into during this whole time were two uh, TV shows that have been around for a while. Uh, Narcos. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I'd seen the I'd seen the uh, Colombian uh, version of Narcos. Mm-hmm. And then now there's a Mexican uh, version of Narcos, yeah. which uh, I just, I don't know. I love it. I can't get it. I really, I think because how much I love history and I, I also like, you know, more modern history and stuff. Uh, so it's really fascinating to see just that, that stuff. And, and I, you know, they do a really good job sticking to the truth and, and how just completely insane it is. Um, right. Turns out the big drug dealer is not great. Uh, guys, huh. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't doesn't end well. It doesn't end well for anybody. But it's fascinating. Like you know, in the latest one, they you're seeing a young Chapo uh, yeah. sort of coming up, and and you know what mm. he's going to become. But right now, he's nothing, and people are literally just making fun of him because he's kind of a weirdo. <laughs> and you're like, don't make fun of that guy. That's weirdo not the guy you make fun name. of. <laughs> That's fantastic. But it's cool because you you know the names. Uh, you know, Pablo Escobar is, I think, the first two seasons. And and if you know anything, if you know anything about that story, it's like just completely insane. And I don't think could be a movie. I think it 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 always would have had to have been a series because there's just so much that goes on. And if you try to cut it down to two hours, I don't I don't think you would be able to, you know, mm. correctly show the just madness of what he was. And the, I don't know the actor is who plays him, but he's fantastic. Oh, I right. should know his name, but yeah, the actor is really great. 
And what's what's the other show? Your Succession. Oh, oh yeah. there were two. There were two things that I wait. I I've wanted to because uh, because the way I the way I work at this podcast I do. There's so much writing, and I'm constantly involved in like three or four things at once, and I'm I just feel really scattered all the time. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so there's a, there were two things that I left waiting until I felt like I could almost relax and watch them and just fully be absorbed by them as opposed to. Uh, having to stop them and answer any, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which was Deadwood in Succession, the movie Deadwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just watched that last night, but uh, well, so Succession was the other one, which I two seasons of that was like I just couldn't stop watching it. Yeah, I don't know what you know. There's something I think has happened with a lot of people. Like the first season, there was just something about it that just didn't scream at you somehow. You know, yeah. It just it, and I and uh, we ended up. Um, yeah, binging through the first season and and could not believe how good it was, and then watched the second season as it was as it was coming out. It's an amazing show. It's, it's an amazing show, and and it's getting better and better because I think they're as they go along, they're understanding the characters better as they write them, yeah. act them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's cast so superbly. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh, it's genuinely angry, which which I like. It's yeah, it really angry. is. The, um, there's a tendency on shows like that for the creators to clearly fall in love with their characters and to start trying to ennoble them. And, you know, I, I enjoy billions. It's a lot of fun, but you can tell that they really like yeah. you know, the evil billionaire guy. Um, whereas succession, there's actually, it's kind of easier to have more affection for the characters when you realize everyone knows how awful they are. Yeah. They're just, <laughs> they're just pieces of shit. And, and yeah, <laughs> everyone knows yeah. And I guess there's people who are turned off by that. I'm like, yeah, literally every character on the show is is a is a fucking monster. There's, yeah, there there isn't. You you think that the the young you know nephew guy is going to be, but then you're like, oh, oh no, no, he's also no, no. he's a really devious little piece of shit too. Yeah, yeah, it's, I I love it to death. It's the greatest thing. Yeah, it was really. Uh, it was. I'm really glad I have I had that <laughs> to go to. Yeah. And yeah, the Deadwood movie. If you have not, if you watch the show and haven't seen that Deadwood movie, it it so delivers. Oh God, it really does. Were you a Deadwood guy, Joe? I didn't catch up with it. I'm, oh, it's I'm I'm, I'm, time I'm, now. I'm a Deadwood agnostic. I have I have you, I, I I didn't I never even tried it. I just haven't seen it. You've like got time it. now. It's like so it. good. Well, and, and, and the thing is, for years you've been hanging. You'd push it on people, but you'd have to say. But understand, it just drops off at the end of the third year. It does not resolve, and it's been really frustrating. And the movie yeah. does such an amazing job of tying up all the loose ends in a satisfying way, giving every character you love a moment without feeling like a kind of parade of stars or anything. And it's just, and, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's like, I, I can't wait to go back and watch the entire series over again and then watch the movie again. But I remember um, I turned my dad onto it. Uh, he watched the first couple of episodes and didn't click with him. And I called him up and yelled at him and he watched again and he felt completely in love with it. Yeah. And he doesn't get HBO. And um, I sent him the Blu-ray the day it came out. And, you know, I got the email from Amazon going, your blue, your package has been delivered to you know Philadelphia. Two hours and five minutes later, I get a phone call from my dad in tears, thanking me. <laughs> he had just watched it. He got it. He dropped everything, watched it, and just loved it. <laughs> it's uh, it's I so mean, good. I haven't seen any de- – I haven't rewatched anything since it went off the air. And you just forget how Shakespearean it is. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing achievement. It really is. Like, it's just incredible. 
And he, and you realize that half the time he's writing the dialogue on the fly, lying on the floor and handing pages <laughs> to the actors while they're delivering them, having no idea what they're saying sometimes. But yeah, I mean, kinda... yeah, there's a lot of times I don't know what they're saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. Uh, well, fantastic, uh, Dave. Good, good, uh, good, uh, good, good. Very thanks, great. Dave. Yeah, thank you. Depressing. Thank you. Yeah, well, I, you got a little depressing, a little not depressing. I guess it's all dark. I don't really watch any comedy. Sorry. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places: Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart, and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face Off launches April 9th. Get out of bed. Empty your medicine cabinet. Give up all those pills. A new kind of help is on its way. She's Ursula Andrus as the sensuous nurse. Ursula will make your heart beat faster. She'll cause nuts in your stomach. She'll give you a fever, and then she'll melt your thermometer. Ursula Andrus is the sensuous nurse. The outrageous comedy with a bedside manner. Rated R, under seventeen, not admitted without parent. So once again, we're here with Blair Bercy from the Hollywood Food Coalition. To um, well, actually, going to do a couple things this week, Blair. First, first, why don't you, why don't you do the um, uh, let let people know what you're about and how they can help first. Yes. So the Hollywood Food Coalition is a nonprofit, volunteer-based organization. We feed hundreds. We used to feed around 150 to 160. We are now serving close to 300 people a night. Um, We serve a meal seven nights a week, uh, 365 days a year. So that is a lot of people and a lot of food. Um, Anybody who is food insecure, anybody that is unhoused, they're able to come to us and now currently get essentials, a meal, something to go. the, the ability to wash their hands, to get checked out by a doctor. Now we have a doctor in line checking temperatures. We have UCLA Medical that comes to us once a week to do everything from, you know, the really nice things that you don't think about, like sports medicine, where you can do like reflexology and muscle therapy for people that just need it and it makes a world of difference, to checking out like wounds. So um, we rely entirely on support because we are a volunteer-based organization. So um that is what we do. We accept donations of food, time, and money. Um, we accept all and we love all. And, um, you know, three bucks goes to feeding somebody, you know, a multi-course meal and juice and water and essentials and, you know, a snack to take home. So we're very lucky that we have generous people like you um, who help us, you know, make sure that all of the needs of our clients are met. And so we're in the heart of Hollywood. And, and how can people help out? Um, so I think the easiest thing would be text give to the number three, two, three, four, zero, two, five, seven, zero, four. That's an easy way to donate. Um, or you can go to our website, 
HOFOCO, so H-O-F-O-C-O.org slash donate. And there you'll see the ability to do it through PayPal or your credit card or anything else. And like I said, once again, three bucks goes to feed a person in need. You'll also see an essentials list if you want to click to buy. We really need these. um, You know, you go to get to go meals and there's a little fork, spoon, knife set with salt and pepper. That's something that would help us tremendously now that we've kind of pivoted and stopped doing our sit down meal for the safety of everyone and are doing a to go meal. Um, that's one of those things you don't think about until you gotta you gotta pack up everything, and that would make right. a world of difference. So we have you can do donate time, money, or essentials um, at the website. So that's another place that people can go check Fantastic. us out. Fantastic! Yes, and our listeners have been helping. And yeah. oh, keep, speaking you know, of yes, there's a very special listener that's been helping. Oh, who's that? Um, let me find this name. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. You'll know this person well, I think. Oh, I'm nervous. What do you mean? Why are you nervous? Know. Do you know, know somebody by the name of Alex Kirschenbaum or Kirschenbaum? Oh, you... sure. Yes. <laughs> Alex donated. Alex donated twice last week. Fantastic. He, yeah, because he was like, look, I, you know, it would be hypocritical of me not to help promote and not donate. So what an awesome kind of foundation you guys have altogether. Uh, yeah, no, Alex is great. A... He works with Joe. Mm-hmm. Good guy. Oh, from thank production. You. Yeah, from production to website, you guys are just killing it. And thank you guys. So I well, our, our standing cool. challenge is still uh somebody donates five hundred dollars, they get to come on the show and do a segment with us. Um, but uh but I I, I did Alex donate enough because we'd love to have him on, but only if he Look, I'm not, it's up to Alex to admit. Now that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to like, you know, discuss. I'm not in Alex's pockets. Like I'm not going to get cussed out by Alex, but don't, he donated money and twice. So Lovely. Great. That's awesome. Thank you, Alex. Um, Thank you, Alex. Uh, wonderful. And, and since we've got you and we keep mm-hmm. threatening to do this, uh, you want to, you want to do some uh, pandemic recommendations this week? I do. What, what, what are you watching in these uh, Strange so, and interesting times. We're going to do this in two ways. I'm trying to see if I can actually make your eyes roll to the point where you kick me off the show. Because I know how you feel about Love Actually. And I have actually been watching it. Oh. Um, and I know that you hate that movie. <laughs> so I'm adding that to this is my list of like, if I'm by myself, this is what I'm watching. Um, have you heard of a movie called Simply Irresistible? Sure. With Sarah Michelle Gellar? Sure. About an enchanted chef. That, I, I did. I did not realize it was about an enchanted chef. Well, <clears throat> you know, it's magical. There's a crab that's in it that's magical as well. I feel like you should. And Sean Patrick Flannery is in it, so enjoy that one. Geely is on my list. I still watch. <laughs> yep. 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 That's right. Uh, I enjoy Geely. I. I. Uh, well, if we ever have uh, Ben Ben Affleck on, we'll make sure to point him in your direction. I'm sure. We'll love it. That. I own Geely. Like. You own, own Geely? I own multiple copies of Geely, multiple DVDs from Amoeba. I mean, oh, okay. I thought you meant like you bought the rights because I'm sure you can actually oh. get them pretty cheap right now. From well, I, look, if that's an option, donate to me and I'll do that. <laughs> um, Bad Boys 2, not okay. one. Okay. Okay. What, what do you say about the second one that's so much better than them? Um... It's the less story, more explosion, more comedic time with uh martin lawrence and will smith they don't care about you know acting at this point um it's just ridiculousness um and then my last one on the list of things that i would watch by myself charlie's angels that's right which one 
The first, well, the second oh, one is really I love good. that one. Sorry, we, we okay. were trying to knock me out with that one. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of that one. Really? That's Yeah, Crispin Glover's amazing in that. Okay, well, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you like I, me. I, I met him once uh, years ago. Um, a brief conversation about uh, having him come into Infested, my little horror film. And he was lovely. And he was a, a, But he told me, because I guess that film had just come out, and he told me that he wore... Uh, he had a tailor to fit him, but he was wearing the same suit in that movie that his father wore in Diamonds Are Forever. Really? Yep. I've never heard that fact, and I love that movie. That's amazing. He seems yep. like a delight. He's he is he is he, he wasn't he, none of that came. He just it was just like the most he was he was wonderful. He was wonderful. I've heard rumors of people running into him in L.A. with like some like classic car, and I've always wished that was me. Uh, yeah, no, he was—he was very nice. Um, are you ready for my real list? My that's real not your real list. No, that's not my real list. That was—that was—that was a really feeble attempt at uh, shocking and horrifying. I—I'm surprised you're—you're you're yeah. in a good mood today. This isn't your less judgmental self. Um, okay, here's the list that I've actually been watching to get me through, and I realized that this list is because everybody in these films are trapped, and I didn't mm -hmm. realize it because I've been watching these films like a lot. Over the past few weeks, like multiple these, all of these I've watched multiple times. It's because people are trapped, and that's why I enjoy them. I think it makes me feel seen. Um, Happy Death Day. Oh, I, that's I so need. Yeah, that's that's perpetually at the top of my must watch list. I absolutely love it. The first one is amazing. The second one is not horror. It's definitely more sci fi with like a nod to, I, I don't know, heartfelt movies, but. Happy Death Day, the first one, is perfect. I love it to death. It's like Scream for the Babies, the new generation. Um, light, Scream Light. Um, Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. I've watched Beetlejuice like 10 times. There is music in it, so I, I enjoy that. But like the fact they're trapped in a house, it's hilarious. Michael Keaton, a hot Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis always. Um, Evil Dead. Oh, sure. The first one, like, I just, I don't know why. Every time it's on, like, it's on H or Cinematic. Oh, one of yeah, the sorry. I was assuming you didn't mean the remake. Ugh. Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, moving on. Yeah, Evil Dead's great. Come on. Run, Lola, Run. Mm. When was the last time you watched Run, Lola, Run? I, it's, that's actually on my list of movies I have to show Nancy, because uh, I think she'll love it. Lola, is, it's, it's a fantastic movie. It's wonderful. And being trapped in the house, it makes you feel like, there's like an existence outside of the world and time is moving. Right. Um, and then I'm adding my absolute favorite to the list that you haven't seen. Little O-Tech. Ah, Little O-Tech. Tell, tell them about Little O-Tech. So Little O-Tech is a, it's from the Czech, yeah, Czechoslovakian film, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and it is a combination of stop, mo and this, I think Evil Dead also the need to watch this again. It's a combination stop motion, animation, dark comedic horror. It's definitely creepy and definitely horror um, about a couple um, that would like to have a child and they get a insatiably hungry tree demon for a baby. Um, and he tree just... Demon. Yeah, well, he's like, he looks, he starts off really cute, like a little cute, like, you know, David Lynch log lady baby. And mm -hmm. it just keeps getting worse and worse. And he needs to eat. And it's very creepy. And it's 
it's a story of loss and love and relationship and being stuck. And I love it. It's one of my absolute favorites. Fantastic. Um, great. Lay- I, by the way, those are both terrific lists. Okay. All right. Yeah. I thought the first one was like my blockbuster video list that you would kick me out for. Not, not, not going to happen. Okay. Not gonna happen. What were we watching? We were just watching, uh, or oh, getting caught up on better call Saul. And there was an episode set in a blockbuster video. And uh, I realized there's there's people, there's probably people coming of age now where we're going to have to explain to them what that place is in that TV show. Ugh, they don't know. <laughs> I still have my cards. I have all of my video rental cards. I, I wish I did. I, I I can't find any of mine. And uh, uh, but but um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't I don't miss Blockbuster, and I don't see much of a difference between streaming services and Blockbuster. I do miss the mom and pop stores where you can mm-hmm. walk in and. The person there actually knew what they were talking about and could direct you to, you know, they would they would get to know you and then they would know what you would like it and they would point stuff. They hold it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty twenty video was that was ours. There was a twenty twenty video on like Pico and that was it. I came in with like my change and they would always hold stuff for me or I could call and ask if they had stuff or if somebody had returned something. Good times. Yep, those were the days. And and you could hug them if you wanted to. Okay, well that seems inappropriate. That seems. But but you could and and you uh, could you could if you needed to. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's how, I mean no, it's true though. I honestly that's how I found out about like basket case and movies that I would sure. never have seen had it not been for a recommendation at a video store. Yeah, well that's that's the 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 hole we're trying to fill here with this show. So thanks for being part of that, and thanks again for your work with the. Uh, Food Coalition and folks, please, seriously, they're doing great work. They do great work on a normal day, but these days it's really even more essential than ever. So uh, if you have the capacity to give even a little, please do. Yep. Or Blair, volunteer with us if you're in the area. Or, please come down. Or come volunteer. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Blair, lovely to see you as always. Hopefully Thank we'll you uh, get you back next week. I hope so. I hope so. Stay safe. Come to the class reunion but only if you have a craving for terror. For nothing is more terrifying than a party given by the Redeemer. First, the Omen. Now, the Redeemer. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. A Dimension Pictures release. Our next guest is the epitome of laconic and taciturn, but we thought it'd be worth having him on anyway even if only for a minute or two to talk about a small handful of movies he's watching to get through quarantine. Uh, please welcome the uh, legendary, wonderful, and um, very, very tight-lipped John Landis. How, how are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> I mean, good. It's, it's a very surreal situation. Yes, Because, you know, I mean, if you have a home, you're in your home, and... I'm lucky I have a nice one, so I'm perfectly happy in my home with my stuff and dogs and cats and wife. And uh, most, I'm gaining weight, you know, because I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're doing we're doing a lot of cooking. Yes, yes, yeah. Remember back when the advice was don't eat out so much you'll lose weight, and now it's like, yeah, no, that doesn't work. Um, no, it really doesn't work. Plus, but- you have to use what you have because there's not a constant supply of different things. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we got three 
chicken legs, and some pinto beans. <laughs> one for dinner. One onion and a rutabaker. Okay. I can work with that. I can definitely work with that. Actually, we've been doing very well. Good, 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 good. Yeah, we. But it's it's a, surreal because the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and it's just a very bizarre. Um, it is. It's like duck soup. You know, it's just a, Alice in Wonderland. It just. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's weird times. I mean, we're yeah, as you say, it's like when you zoom in. You know, I just started two writing projects my life would be exactly what it is now ordinarily and when i'm sitting in front of my desk writing it feels very normal and then you zoom out and you take in the world and it's like oh yeah no it's fucking weird man it's, um no well also the the uh pile on effects of everything yeah that even when eventually hopefully there's a vaccine or you know when whenever someone gets a handle on this because clearly the you know the way you do a pandemic is the world unites and yes. fights it together but we are in a insane time and it's crazy it's crazy how about the united yeah. states i mean just the fact that we have no leader well yeah no i would argue that no leader might be better well, by that I mean there has been no federal response other yeah. than chaos. Yeah. And yeah. usually in this situation, the federal government comes to the aid of the states. And in this particular situation, it seems as if the federal government sees the states as the enemy. Yeah. No, it's, it's very, that's what I'm saying. Without, without a leader, we'd be much better off, I suspect. Well, I listen, I, I mean, yeah. it's just weird. It is. I just read today though, that New Zealand is practically clear of it because they just jump well, they in think they, they think. think, but but the fact that they're at that stage now is amazing because they actually know what they're doing. And then, uh, well, well they oh, also have twelve people live there. I mean, it's, good, good, uh, point. good point. Yeah, you you mentioned earlier. You know, it's nice to have a home. Um, we've been doing these. No, when, you, uh, when you realize that seventy percent of the population of the United States lives paycheck to paycheck. Yes. And it's now been how many weeks without work? And it's terrifying the impact this is going to have on yeah. all of us for a long well, time. One of the things we're doing with these pandemic parades, we're calling them, is um, we've been plugging the Hollywood Food Coalition and who are uh, continuing through this. To, you know, they do a good job. Normal times, they feed about 200 people a night. And they've been doing about 300 people a night during all this with these crazy conditions. So. Um, our listeners have been throwing down to, to help them out, which is great. So, um, uh, yeah, you're, you're helping those folks just by showing up here, John. Uh, well, good. And, uh, I noted you, you did write, you did a wonderful piece in the guardian a little while ago about the movies you were watching. Uh, well, during well interestingly enough, they, what they say is these are the movies that these filmmakers or these people are watching on lockdown. Right. But in fact, when I was approached, which was like three or four weeks ago, they weren't on lockdown. Oh, so what was the and, what was the theme? And then? they said, "We think we're going to be on lockdown if <laughs> if our prime minister 
I think just enough people wanted him to get it that it came true. But uh, <laughs> I, why that that should be working here then, shouldn't it? Yeah, well, I don't know. But anyway, he it just that you know they had that herd yeah. community thing, and he was recommending people go to the pub and uh, <sighs> fucking idiot. Well, listen, at least he's not recommending injecting yourself with Clorox. Yes. Uh, in any yes. case, you know. Anyway, the bottom line is. I was asked if you have to stay in your house, what movies would you recommend? So I wrote that, sent it to them. And what was funny is, did you see the headline on it? The headline is John Landis on lockdown films worth watching. Oh, John Landis on seeking solace in zero Mostel movies. Now that's so bizarre. <laughs> when I talk about maybe 20, 30 movies, Two of them, one is, of course, the producers. Right. And the, and the other is uh, a movie he had a small, well, actually a, a big supporting role in, Panic in the Streets. Right. But I, so, I talk about tons of movies and somehow yes. the headline was watching Zero Mostel movies. Now, now you're on record as having a Zero Mostel obsession. Well, I'm a fan. It's true. Sure. How could one not be? You know what I watched again recently was The Front. Oh, I've been meaning to. How how does that hold up? Excellent. Really? Okay. All right. It's excellent. And there are two. Zero Mostel in particular yeah. is wonderful. And uh, the ending is wonderful. In fact, the ending is very similar conceptually and equally satisfying as the moment Nanny Hall when the man in line, they're waiting in line for the sorrow and the pity because he won't yes. go in once it started. Yes. The man in line in front of them is pontificating about uh, Marshall McLuhan. Marshall McLuhan. And Woody's like going, oh, and he's so aggravated. And finally, he stops the man and he says, excuse me, but you, you know nothing. You, you, you're an idiot. You're talking this crap. And the man pulls himself back and says, excuse me, I teach a course on Marshall McLuhan. And I happen to yada da. And Woody, in one of the great moments of yes. cinema, says, well, I happen to have Marshall McLuhan right here. Pulls him out. And Marshall McLuhan looks at the guy and says, you know nothing of my work. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a very conceptual ending that takes that thought. And the movie's very touching because all the principles involved were blacklisted. Right. We're blacklisted, yeah. yeah. I need to watch that one again. I've, I've been meaning to for years and just never got around to it. But, uh... Anyway, I did make a list of movies for you, but not five. Uh-oh, how many? Many. Many. <laughs> many. I mean, for instance... I was going through my DVDs in the garage, you know, because my <laughs> my wife is always saying, would you please throw these away or give them away? And I have called it three or four times and given hundreds and hundreds of DVDs to UCLA, you know, right. the, the, the film archive. But I came across Road to Bali, which is the only color open Crosby Road picture. Oh, right. and, I, okay. and I thought, gee, which one is this? So I watched it. And of course, it's wonderful. And there's a particular moment 
when they're running around this jungle island, you know, and all this stuff's going on. And Dorothy L'Amour and uh, Bing Crosby, she's a princess, and they're being pursued, and she's in the throng, and they, they go along, and all of a sudden, this man, I recognized him, but this man in shorts and a pith helmet, carrying a shotgun, walks in, and the two of them look at him, like, excuse me, person who showed up in the middle of the jungle in nowhere, and he says, pardon me, and he shoots his shotgun into the air, or it's a rifle, into the air. And then he says, thank you, and he walks off. And Dorothy L'Amour looks at Bing Crosby, baffled, and Bing says, oh, it's my brother Bob. I promised him a shot in the picture. Oh. And then the movie, oh. then the movie continues. Sure. <laughs> and I thought, and better yet, soon after that, a gorilla enters. So, you know, any, this is actually, I don't know if you know this, but there's, uh, I think it was Vorkapich or maybe Eisenstein, one of them. But there's this thing about a, a good movie. What is my coffee? Is my coffee ready? What was that? I, I, yes. No, don't, don't worry. That was, a, that was my computer dinging. Anyway, there, there is definitely a true cinematic rule that a film in which someone is wearing a gorilla suit yes. is a good film. That is correct. That is, yeah. that is always true, I have noticed. Yep. So anyway, that reminded me to recommend all the road pictures. Okay. Because they're always funny and they always have interesting lyrics. Like in Road to Morocco, when they say, we're off on the road to Morocco, there's a wonderful thing. It's just like Webster's Dictionary. We're Morocco bound. <laughs> anyway, but the Bob Hope movie I recommend is called Son of Pale Face. Oh, and, yeah. With, uh, Jane Russell and Roy yes. Rogers and Trigger. And it's a remarkably funny movie. And, it's uh, it's insane. I, and yeah. totally surreal. Yep. And I think it's Tashlin, but it's a it's one yep. of those cartoon movies. It has several brilliant things. One is he. It's actually a sequel to Pale Face, yep. which is not nearly as good, but was a giant hit movie in which Buttons and Bows, the award, Academy Award winning song, he introduced came, and and that starred Hope and Jane Russell. But this one. Is completely different yes. and wonderful, and there's, he's a a real rube, a real city slicker, and he he goes into this rough and tough and you know terrifying saloon in which there are these big dirty cowboys, and they're chewing tobacco and spitting and just you know horrible and he walks in in his you know, bow tie or whatever and he goes up to the bar and he says i would like a sarsaparilla please and everyone in the place including the bartender turns and looks at him and he realizes where he is and he says and put it in a dirty glass yes <laughs> But that's yep. a good movie. There, and also, it's worth it to see why Trigger was so loved, not only by Roy, but by all people who liked 
trained animals. That horse was brilliant. And the yeah. long, un- un- uninterrupted, long take sequence of Bob Hope and Trigger in a bed yep. doing an elaborate routine. And it's great. Anyway. It's, but that's yeah, a, no, that's I a great one. Joe, Joe turned me on to that. I've, I've been very late to the, uh, the Bob Hope uh, camp, I have to admit. But um, well, I made a picture, a really stupid movie called Spies Like Us, that's of interest really because, one, it's a period picture, although it wasn't meant to be, but it, it's about the Soviet Union mm. and the arms race and Reagan's uh, Star Wars defense. But any so it's a period film, especially because they go it goes they go to Pakistan and Afghanistan and they deal with the Mujahideen, who of course, when we made the movie, were our allies. Sure. Much, much like Rambo Three. Exactly, fighting the Russians. And yeah. uh interesting politically that picture, but also interesting because it's Bob Hope's last film. Oh wow! I did not realize that. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, it's it's yeah. I, Son of Paleface. Joe turned me on to that. I loved it. It very much. Um, it is the Gremlins too of the Pale Pale Paleface movies. I would say. You could say that. But no, I mean, just it just blows up the medium and and is a total cartoon. And well, it's like you know, there's so, but there's so many of those. I guess the, now the term is postmodern, but there's yeah. so many movies that break frame and yeah. do everything that I remember when um, Gary Shandling did uh, first the uh, sitcom, yep. it's the Gary Shandling show, and everyone was saying how revolutionary it was. And it was almost a complete remake of the Burns and Allen TV show. Oh, sure. Which had one of my favorite conceits, which was George Burns had his office above the garage, and in it was a television on which he would watch what was happening to the other characters in different locations. That's right. That's right. Yes. And so, like, Harry Von Zell would come in and say, George, you won't believe what happened. And George would say, you're going to tell me. that. How do you know that? You know, just totally. Anyway. Um, so a list of movies that I would recommend. Now, this is all over the place. Fantastic. But I, just, I decided to think of, just write down movies that I really like and are worth seeing again. So one is Rosemary's Baby, uh, sure. the Polanski film, which I think by that I mean, see again, if you haven't seen it in five to 10 years or longer, see it again. It's kind of like Chinatown. You remember it as a great film, but when you see it again, it's like, oh my God, this is a great film. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Don't Look Now. Oh. Nick Rogue, that's just endlessly brilliant. Um, Shin Godzilla. Oh, fantastic film, yeah. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. I'm so impressed. Yeah, it's, uh, it's well, you know, I see some movies, John. It... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Shin Godzilla is the Japanese Godzilla they were making that Toho made the same year they were making an American Godzilla. Yep. And what's extraordinary about it is, one, how funny it is. Yeah. The whole first half is a very well done and elaborate satire 
of Japanese bureaucracy. Yep. And really good. And then Godzilla is amazing. And they use, you know, men in suits, but also CG. It's a really good, I recommend that movie. It I is. I, I, I was boggled too. But could you imagine making a movie like that in America? Because it's done straight, relatively. And it is a Godzilla movie, but it's it's about, uh, yeah, how, how modern-day Japanese bureaucracy would cope with something like this. And so it's screamingly funny while being a straight Godzilla film, while being this very sophisticated satire of Japan. It's, it, it's a unique film. I've, well, and, see, I just, it's a wonderful film. Yeah. But when you say unique, you know, satire as opposed to parody. Yes. Parody is easy. Parody yeah. is like Bad Magazine or Airplane. It's making fun of. Yep. Satire must succeed in what it is satirizing. So, for instance, there have been very few genuine movie satires. Dr. Strangelove mm -hmm. being the one that is held up because not only is it a brilliantly funny uh, examination of political lunacy and uh, nuclear proliferation, it's also the best atomic war film ever made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it's, you know, that's hard to do. And yeah. uh, George Bernard Shaw famously said, uh, they asked him what was satire. He said, well, that's what closes Saturday night. Yes. <laughs> but um, anyway, so here's some more movies of various genres. Something to re-examine are the Monty Python features. Mm. Um, Life of Brian is genuinely... Masterpiece. Masterpiece. Yeah. Endlessly funny. And the philosophy in it and the theoretical and theological things are goddamn brilliant. And, yep. uh, you know, he's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Um, it's just... It's just a great, great film. And yeah. so is, of course, uh, Monty Python, The Holy Grail. Yep. With When the French Knigget says, I told him we already got one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're brilliant films and yeah. also wonderfully funny about the Crusades. Yeah. And the idiocy and arrogance of the Crusaders. Um then let's see. Uh, Meaning of Life is not an entirely successful movie, but there is such dazzling brilliance within it. Yeah. The two things that come to mind off the top of my head is Mr. Creosote. The Monsieur huge, Creosote. Yeah, the huge obese gourmet, um, that sequence. And the other one is the extraordinary and so well produced and done um, satire of Oliver. Uh, every sperm is sacred. Yes. sacred. Yeah. That's great. Um, yep. Another movie to look at again, even though it's a recent movie, I've discovered a lot of people haven't seen it, is Death of Stalin. Sure. Yep. Very, very funny. Not only funny, but accurate and yeah. extraordinary. Anyway, um, Grand Budapest Hotel is another recent film. Oh, yeah. Well worth seeing again. Wes Anderson, yep. I think, 
is remarkable. I mean, sometimes he's too twee, but when he's brilliant, which is most of the time, yep. he makes these amazing, unique films. And he, he produced and directed a movie uh, based on a Ronald Dahl book, um, The Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mr. Fox, yeah, great film. And what was remarkable about that movie was there was no mistaking anything about it. It was completely a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. And, and yeah. yet, entirely to Faithful, Faithful to Ronald Dahl's book, which yeah. is hard to do. Um, yeah. Let's see. Oh, Mike Judge is someone who really has made two extremely important movies, Office Space, which is just as funny and sharp as when it came out, and hugely influential. I mean, yeah. every, everything from uh, The Office to Parks and Recreation to I can't think of how many things are essentially remakes yeah. of um, – that I mean, he also made a movie that bombed hugely. Um, that is not a perfect movie, but boy, is it prophetic! And it's very ugly. <laughs> it's physically I'm, ugly. I have I, I have no idea what you could be talking about. Idiocracy. <laughs> is it a movie that perhaps describes the times we live in today down to a T? Have you ever seen Idiocracy? <laughs> oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah, no, I worship Idiocracy. Well, see, I actually, uh, yeah. I, I get upset when they start dumb the last 30 minutes kind of it becomes too stupid and too stupid for a movie called the Neocracy <laughs> because before then I think it's so smart yeah. and, and, and very much like Facing the Crowd or so many other films it's all come true yeah I mean, Donald Trump was a professional wrestler briefly. Oh, he's, he's appeared on WWF Wrestling. You know that H.L. Uh, Mencken once said, no one ever went broke underestimating the American public. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, that movie's incredible. And and I mean, uh, we've talked about it on the show too. It was, it was, I had somehow gotten a hold of the script years before it came out and, and was obsessed with it and couldn't wait to see it. And you know, as someone in the film industry who knew of the project, had read the script, you know, I couldn't be more ready for it, more aware of it. And I remember walking into a theater on a Friday and seeing a poster, the script had originally been called 3000, and seeing a poster for this movie, Idiocracy, and going, oh, what's that? And it was it was that movie, and they had just dumped it with no promotion. It was opening that day, and I had to look at the credits to realize, oh, this is that Mike Judge thing. Well, my, my wife, who is actually extremely discerning in movies and we agree on almost all movies she found it so ugly mm. that not only uh visually ugly because it is but also yeah. but also the design of it she said the design of this is too good therefore i cannot watch it yeah i understand that you understand Absolutely. yeah completely yeah. yeah but she also she also she's funny about something she she won't watch like larry david because she goes, I know those people in real life and avoid them. <laughs> Why would I? You know. But anyway, so we differ. Okay, uh, other recent movies worth re-examining. Bridesmaids, which is Paul Feig's movie, genuinely funny. Borat. Oh, Borat. Yeah. Extraordinary yes. movie. And interesting that that movie succeeds at something 
that he's never been able to do since because he's obviously extraordinarily talented and smart and fearless. Yeah. And, but in Borat, for all his racism and anti-Semitism and ignorance and vulgarity, Borat was sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And so we liked him despite, you know, his flaws. And I didn't realize the most brilliant thing he did in Borat um, until years later when my oldest sister is Israeli. And I said, how are the subtitles in, in Israel? She said, John, there were no subtitles. And I said, what do you mean there are no subtitles? Now, do you remember the movie? Yeah, yeah. Well, did you know that he was speaking perfect contemporary Hebrew the entire, the entire movie? The other guy was speaking gibberish. Uh-huh. But he was speaking Hebrew and very good. So it is, and he was saying what it says he was saying. Right. So in Israel, it wasn't subtitled. Oh, that's funny. And that makes it so much more brilliant to me. Because because you believe it. Well, also the fact that, you know, throw the Jew down the well, you know, <laughs> I just, uh, it was just amazing. Anyway, let's see. Other movies I would recommend. What We Did in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah, yeah. another movie that, no matter how black it gets, is so sweet. Yep. And that's the secret. Um, let's see. What other movies? Uh, have, have you seen? That was, that was Taika, right, who directed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you seen, I think it's his first film. He did a lot of work before. Um, he's got a wonderful movie called Boy. Yes. You can see on Amazon. Oh, my God. That is that the one with the end credits they do Thriller? Yes, yes, as a, as a hike, as a what's it called? A I, a Maori that chant, right? Yeah, as a, a yes. hike or yes. a hike, I forgot what it was called, but yeah, I saw that because somebody said to me, Have you seen this movie where they do thriller? I said, What? <laughs> but he yes. has a tremendous sweetness about him, the man, yeah, 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 and it, it, it just permeates everything, so he gets to go to these very dark and mean places. Well, it was the only thing, in fact, in, uh, oh gosh, his recent movie with Scarlett Johansson. um, Oh, yeah. um, um, Jojo, oh my God. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit, yeah. Jojo Rabbit, I actually, the first time I liked it, but Uh something bothered me and I really couldn't figure it out. I watched it again, as I often do when when I can't figure out why I'm not loving a movie or hating a movie. You know, it's like, I just go, what is it about? I realized, I don't think he should have played Hitler. Oh, huh. Okay. Because he's so winning. Yeah. That even when he's, the boy is supposed to realize how loathsome this guy is and how bullshit it all is and kicks him through the window. Yeah. He never gets ugly enough. Right. You know, because we know who he is and we like him and he's tall and he's silly. And I, but I think that movie's extraordinary. I, I love it. I yeah. Love and it. Scarlett Johansson's so good. She's amazing. The incredible use of music in that. It's got one of the most beautiful dance sequences I've ever seen. Oh, at the end? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another one. Um, these are Alfred Hitchcock movies that are worth watching 
<laughs> because people always talk about North by Northwest, wonderful, or psycho, genius, or rear window, endlessly fascinating, or vertigo, yep. remarkable, you know. But I really like some of Hitch's movies that aren't as well regarded. Um, Frenzy. Oh, Frenzy's amazing. That Isn't is, it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, and so brutal. <laughs> well, it's so, you know, if you didn't know who had made it, you would think it was a younger director, too. It's like the fact that it's this this old man just going, yeah, I can still do this shit. And oh, with the, it's got a very graphic and horrifying rape. And, but he does <laughs> something in that movie that he did in Psycho, which I think is so unique a skill which is mm -hmm. psycho uh even oh, though the car, the car sinking yes yeah yeah where he the the corpse of janet lee and all the money is in this car and norman bates who we believe at this point to be innocent and his insane mother you know mm -hmm. he puts it in the swamp and suddenly when the car doesn't sink it, it stops the whole audience yeah. goes oh it's not sinking right which is so profoundly perverted yeah and in frenzy there's the moment where the serial killer yes uh, in the truck in the truck breaking the fingers in those sacks of potatoes and you're on his side yes <laughs> it's just he's so perverted yeah. and of no, course that's a great great film great and the others uh, notorious yeah no, which, hell yeah. which is one of the most romantic movies yeah. I've ever seen. And I think I think people don't realize what a good actor Cary Grant is. I was, he's so great in that. And it's such a darker performance. Oh, really dark. And, yeah. And the yeah. fact that he, it's amazing. See, Hitch is so remarkable. But it's amazing that the Nazis, that Claude Rains, mm -hmm. you feel terrible for him at the end. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of do. Oh, you don't kind of do. You do with his goddamn Nazi mother. Yeah. I mean, it's an extraordinarily creepy ending when they she's drugged and oh, it's just yeah. it, notorious is a delicious movie and yeah, I'm and the fact that you know the CIA or whoever it was called then is asking her to sleep with Nazis. You know, it's yeah. quite it's quite. Uh, Anyway, let's see. There are more on the list. How about, uh, did I mention Cronenberg's remake of The Fly? You did not. That's I, a much I, better movie than people remember. Um, I, I think people not remember it as a great film. I feel like, who are these people? Exactly, because most people don't think of it as a great film or, or give Jeff Goldblum the credit oh. for an amazing performance. Yeah, well, the two of them. I mean, they have such and chemistry. And Gina Davis, they were yeah. so good in that movie. Yeah. yeah. It's just such a good film. And David, I mean, that's quite an accomplishment, that movie. Um, yep. Okay, Little Big Man. How about that? Oh, film? wonderful. That's that's on my short list of things we're going to watch in the next week or two. Oh, really? Yeah. Arthur Penn, when yeah. was the last time you thought? It's been a long time. I A lot of it was I was waiting for a good Blu-ray of it because it was uh, – Give it the full. Is there a good Blu-ray up? I believe there is now. Yes. Well, um, everyone remembers Chief Dan George, and some sure. sometimes the magic works. But it's so full of remarkably good stuff. That whole 
the terrifying and beautiful massacre of the Indians in the snow, um, the, the extraordinary, extraordinary character played by uh, Jeff Corey, the gunfighter mm. who every time yeah. you see him is missing something. Yes. <laughs> and just how funny and great and sad and just what it really that's an ambitious book and it's an ambitious film yeah i I think it's terrific and then uh what's a richard richard hatch right is the uh, is uh custer custer who's phenomenal phenomenal i i I think that because i was a child when that came out and that made that was definitely my first exposure to custer because that is you know that's the association. You say you say General Custer in my head, and I see Richard Hatch running around like an idiot. Okay, did we talk about Shaun of the Dead? We did not. Shaun of the Another Dead. Trailer. These are what? fantastic. This, by the way, I, there's so many different approaches people have taken to this. There are folks who are just immersing themselves in, you know, pandemic movies and end of the world films. Yeah. I, I got to say, yours yours might be the most feel good. Uh, list of movies I've come across. Not all of them. They're pretty but, cheerful. Well, I'll give you one that's not cheerful. Uh, Neil Marshall's movie, the first movie I saw of his, um, I was in. I was shooting something in Vancouver, and Mick Garris was shooting something in Vancouver, and he said, "Hey, you want to go across the street? What's that? There's that hotel that everyone stays at. I can't think of the name, but." Uh, Across the street is a big multiplex. So it was very convenient. And uh, we went and we saw The Descent. Oh, yeah. And there were maybe 12 of us in the theater. Yeah. And I have to tell you, that's a good, scary monster movie. That's a scary fucking movie. Well, you know, the, here's my thing with The Descent is it's, I feel like it's it's the stuff before the creatures show up. The claustrophobic. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. You did an amazing job of that. That's an incredible And do you show. know that was shot entirely on sets? Yeah. Yep. They're gorgeous sets. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's a really, really phenomenal film. It's hard to watch because I get claustrophobia. And it just, uh, uh, it was incredible. But yeah, um, yeah, that's, I had the most difficulty with that. But, yeah. If you're feeling quarantined, that might not be the film for you. But, well, um, how about The Old Dark House? Oh, James, fantastic. James Whale. That's a truly wonderful movie. And like yes, it is. the best James Whale, it's very funny. Extremely funny. But it's also genuinely creepy. It's, it's Charles Lawton's first American film. And Melvin Douglas. All right. Yeah. And Ernest Thesiger. It's just a delicious movie. And the whole thing about the terrifying monstrous brother locked upstairs Saul it's just good it's a good yeah. good yeah. Ex- and I, and it literally has the best and first dark and stormy night <laughs> it's the first really well it's the first one I can think of at the first moment one you okay but no, go back I think we give short shrift to Shaun of the Dead I, oh Shaun I of the Dead everybody knows that everybody who listens to this show knows that film but still come on it's it's great. Well, when was the that again? This is my point here. Yeah. I assume people have seen most of these. I want them 
if they haven't seen them in the last five years or longer, yeah. Yeah. watch them again. Yeah. The other one to watch again, which is still problematic, but wonderfully funny, is Team America World Police. Yes. You yeah. know, yeah. Trey and Matt have some odd politics, you know, but <laughs> they're really smart guys. And they wrote, in my opinion, one of the great musicals. Uh, yeah. South Park. Yep. Bigger, longer, and uncut. In fact, I bought tickets to see uh, Book of Mormon in previews long before anyone had heard of it because I knew how good it would be. Right. Oh. Because the score, the lyrics and music for South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut are wonderful. Anyway, Team America, World Police, has a lot of jokes that don't work and are kind of questionable. But they have more jokes that do work. Yeah. And it's just so damn funny. Yep. Yep. No, it is a hilarious, hilarious film. Okay, another hilarious, hilarious film. In fact, I think one of the best comedies ever made is a W.C. Fields film called It's a Gift. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen it? I, I I know I have because I went through a Fields period when I was a kid. I haven't seen it in a thousand years. Oh, the one my I God. Bank dick, but... The Bank Dick is very funny, but yep. It's a Gift is yep. almost perfect. It has several sequences that were routines he did on stage for many years. So they're polished to perfection. Uh, one where he's trying to sleep on the porch. Oh, okay. That Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a long sequence that's just a 10. Um, also, again, it has one of the best endings of any movie I've ever seen. Um, and, uh, it's, I kind of stole it for, uh, trading places, but still it's, it's, he's so funny and it's so funny. It's the movie with Mr. Muckle, the blind man. Okay. We're here. Crash! You had that door closed again. Wait, Mr. Muckle. Um, that is a uh, it's it is a really great great comedy, and then another Woody Allen Zelig. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is especially remarkable when you see it now and realize it's before computer graphics, computer yeah. generated. It was all opticals. Yep. There, it's amazing work production wise, but it's also wonderfully fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, a, another movie worth seeing again, if you haven't seen it for at least five years, because it is genuinely Chuck Jones made real, uh, Raising Arizona. Oh, yeah. The Coen brothers, in which the two leads are so perfect. She's so Holly Hunter. I mean, they're just, the two of them, they're just it's it's a it's a wonderful movie, and then we have to bring it in because it's just so good. The awful truth. Oh sure, the Leo McCary, and a much lighter Cary Grant than our previous. Oh, Irene Dunn and my fave yeah. Ralph Bellamy, who had such funny stories about it. Do you know, oh, I'm sure. Do you know that fun. McCary would come on stage? This guy made some of the best comedies ever made. Um, 
But he would come on stage, and they had a piano on stage, and he would sit at the piano, upright piano, and doodle until he had an idea. And sometimes they'd be there for four or five hours. Wow. And then he'd say, hey, you know what we could do? <laughs> and the movies were always sprightly and witty and fast and just delightful. It also has a surprisingly racy ending. Yep. Um, here's another recent movie that not enough people have seen. One of the things I've discovered, and I've said this many times, but when people tell you they don't like a genre, I don't like horror films. I don't like Westerns. Or, take it further, I don't like the ballet. I don't like opera. Um, you know, I'm not interested. What I really believe they're saying is they've never been exposed to great ones. Okay. Because I'm mostly with I'm mostly with you. I know. And one of the things is like on, like horror. Now, here's a movie that's quite graphic, that's quite horrible, that's more entertaining if you're a buff of these kind of movies. But I think equally smart if you're not. It was not successful. And I think it's just great is Cabin in the Woods. Oh, sure, yeah. But that, that's great fun, too. That's my point. Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, people say, I don't like uh, horror films. You, I can't watch that. Well, watch a really good one, and you'll like it. Yep. Uh, uh, anyway, where else? You want more? I have so many more movies. Up here. <laughs> well, tell you what, why don't we, if we keep doing these, we'll come back to you in a few weeks and get and get uh, uh, a bunch more. Did I mention? Um, did I mention Deliverance? No, you did not. Well, that's a much that's a fun one. That's a barrel of laughs. Do you know that movie is so well made and so well acted? <clears throat> John Borman is such a good director. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, he made Point Blank, and you know, he made Open Glory. He made so many good films, and Deliverance is so unexpected. Unless you've read James Dickey, you really yeah. don't know where this is going. And the performances of John Voight and Ned Beatty, that's Ned Beatty's first movie. Yeah, yeah. Traumatized and, him. Oh, and, and Burt Reynolds. Yep. There's a, a story that uh, Burt Reynolds tells that John Borman said was absolutely true, which is the actors, for most of it, are doing their own white river, white water river rafting. Say, yeah. that, say that three times quickly. Um, and there was a sequence where Bert's character is in this canoe, the rugged, manly guy, and he's supposed to go over these rapids and falls and be thrown out of the canoe. And this was a very dangerous uh, thing. And the stunt guy said, you know, I don't uh, think that's safe. I don't want to do that. And John Borman said, oh, my God, it's, what's going to happen? I mean, you know, all right, fine, we'll use a dummy. And Bert says, you can't use a dummy. That never looks good. Which is, by the way, wrong. I've seen dummies look very good. Some great dummies. Yeah. But anyway, but uh, so Bert said, you know what, I'll do it. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think I can get that badly hurt, you know. So everyone 
there's a big discussion and finally they say, okay, okay. So they go and they have three cameras on it. Bert comes down and he hits this thing and he goes, it's in the movie, he goes flying out of this thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. whoa. And then cut, brilliant. And then, where's Bert? And he had gotten caught in the rapids. They got him about two miles down river. And when he came out, he said, I was one big black and blue mark. Yeah. And he couldn't move for days. <laughs> and John Borman came to see him uh, like the second day. Bert was just in agony. And uh, he said, Bert, I saw the dailies. Bert says, what, what, well, can you see it's me? And Borman said, you know, it looks like a dummy. <laughs> But in fact, you can see it's him. And, yeah, uh, you can. But it does, there is something about it that looks a little fake, too, at the same time. No, it's uh, extraordinary. It's an extraordinary. And, and well used in, uh, we can go out on this, one one last recommendation, our mutual friend Adam Rifkin's movie, The Last Movie Star. Yes. Um, her Burr Reynolds swan song uses uh, a scene from Deliverance so beautifully. Um, it's it's just one of my favorite things where it's old, old Burt today has been digitally dropped into a scene with Bert in Deliverance in his prime and uh, they're having a conversation and it's just absolutely glorious. And that's a, it's a wonderful, charming film as well. But uh, John, no, thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll come back and well, so that, pick up that's again. an eclectic group. <laughs> that's a fantastic group. That's a fantastic group. <laughs> you know what I just, the other movie I just watched because my wife was teaching it. She said, I have to watch Double Indemnity. I said, great, I'll watch it with you. Sure. Do you know that he couldn't cast that movie? I was uh, reading, he, no one would play Walter Neff. Oh, wow. Because he was, one, a putz, yep. two, a murderer, yep. and three, a patsy. Yeah. And, you know, no one would play him. It was turned down by everybody in town. Wow. Oh, and goodness. I forgot, but they made... I forgot Billy did some trickery to get Fred McMurray to agree. But uh, when the movie became a huge hit, Billy wrote notes to everyone who turned it down <laughs> saying that they're, you know, it's playing at this theater, to their shows at this time, this time, and this time. And please go see right. the movie and you'll understand what you turned down. <laughs> he, he might not be, and I, I love that. Um, I'm sure he did it other times in his career, but I feel like, Billy Wilder used Frederick Murray in a way that nobody else did because uh, he's always he's uh, he's not a good guy in the apartment either. No, he's a serious bad guy in the apartment. Yeah, no, uh, Frederick yeah. Murray actually played. He had you know we always think of him as the absent-minded professor, father knows right. best, but yeah. he played a lot of shits and and he was a much better actor. Did you ever see Alice Adams? No. Oh. Put it on the list. Directed, okay. directed by George Stevens. Fantastic. From a book of small town America by Booth Tarkington. And it's about class and stars a very young Catherine Hepburn and Fred McMurray. And there's a scene in it with Hattie McDaniel where you realize what a, a truly great actress she was. And so. Damn funny, funny, funny. That is a great film about about. On the list, 
about a small town in which there's one factory that basically employs everybody. And the man who invented, I forgot what it was, but whatever it is, that makes the factory go, he's the foreman at the factory. And that's her father. And they literally live on the wrong side of the tracks. The bazillionaire father of who owns the factory, who's cheated this man all these years, uh, lives in the mansion on the good part of town, and his handsome college-age son is Fred McMurray. And Catherine Hepburn dreams to be part of that society and falls in love with him. And there are two sequences of such excruciating humiliation that are so funny. One where she makes a dress to go to this ball that he invites her to. When she comes in, these two drop-dead gorgeous blonde debutantes look at her. One of them says, Organdy, maybe we're wrong. But the, the other is, they, she decides to invite him to dinner at her house. And her parents are like, what? <laughs> to the wrong side of the tracks, you're gonna show him where you live? And so she forces her parents to hire a colored woman. So it looks like they have help. And it's an unbelievably hot and humid evening. And Hattie McDaniel is pissed off and not happy to be there and to serve this dinner for these lower class white trash who are being uppity and pretending to be something they're not. And she steals the movie. She's so damn uh. funny. And she, she's wearing a. Uh, one of those like maid outfits that have the little thing on the head, you know, like a right, yeah, yeah, arch thing. But it's so hot that it's completely drenched with sweat, so it's falling in her face. And she's so funny. Just I don't know how you serve food with such contempt. <laughs> <laughs> but she is. She steals the whole movie. And Catherine, Catherine Hepburn is, is at her most beautiful, her youngest, and heartbreaking. Hmm. Alice Adams, great American. It's on the, it's on the list, as are, as are several of these, John. And, um, uh, but yeah, holy cow. Well, fantastic. That was, uh, that, was a, that, was a, that was a wild 10 minutes you gave us there. Okay, so that, on my count, that's about 37 movies that yep. are all recommended by me. And therefore, must see. Must see for anybody. If you're trapped in your house for the next unforeseeable time. On the off chance that should happen, these are great movies to watch. Has anyone recommended something really surprised you? No, because you you never know. You know, like I say, some people want to watch nothing but end of the world movies and so forth, and some people want to run from it as far as they can. So we get kind of everything. You know, it's. Uh, um, yeah, no, nothing. There's, there's, there's been nothing startling. Uh, just a lot of great, great recommendations. I refrained, sure. by the way, from musicals. I <laughs> because we, I when I did your podcast, you yes. began the show by saying how much you disliked musicals, and every movie I mentioned, you went, "I love that movie." <laughs> it's true. It's true. Proving your point earlier about uh, yeah. Oh, did I say, wait, I'm looking. Did I mention Jerry Lewis's movie, The Ladies' Man? You did not. 
throw that in there. It's thrown in there. Okay. The man they are burying in a subterranean world of horror is a victim of the oblong box. Now, for the first time, Vincent Price and Christopher Lee star in Edgar Allan Poe's tale of the living dead, The Oblong Box. The Oblong Box in color from American International is rated M. And that's it for our latest Pandemic Parade. Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, thanks to the great Don Barrett, who's our engineer, who also transmogrified our theme song. I've been going out every week on songs of hope and optimism. Uh, this week, it's Roger Klein, The Refreshments, with Mekong. Stay safe out there, folks. Stay healthy. Stay warm. Keep watching movies. Here's to life.
Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.